When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations. In the words of Jesus Christ, the King, in the name of the living God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Almost a decade ago, I met a guy here in Fort Worth who had a deep love for Jesus Christ and his church. As a family man, he was actively leading his family as a spiritual head of the household. He was sharing his faith with others. He was teaching the truth of the Bible, and he was inviting others into a loving relationship with Jesus. It was really inspiring to see and encouraging to see as a young man. So I was really taken back when he told me a little bit more of his testimony. Even though growing up in a Christian home and pretty active in junior high and high school, he departed from the faith quite a bit in college in the years following. And I'm actually using that word departed nicely. Uh, he'd tell you that he was going in the opposite direction. So when enough was enough, he still had a good friend who encouraged him to get back to his Christian roots. And I can't remember if he read this passage by himself or he read this passage in a, in a Bible study setting, but the passage we read this morning, the parable of the sheep and the goats, made him realize a life-changing reality. Jesus Christ is coming back. From my own background, I never liked this passage much. In my junior high and high school years, I thought there were just too many churches, there were too many programs, too many pastors who tried to scare you into believing in Jesus Christ. And I thank God that the church I attended was not part of that. So it's curious to me how, how a passage that I never liked much is the same one that is the life verse of Father Chris. And it's for the same reason. Jesus will return. And the king comes to judge. An interesting thing for me is that we have this love-hate relationship with judgments. We hate it. We hate judgmental people. We can't stand intolerance. And our self-esteem is not to be attacked. And yet, at the same time, we love. We, we basically yearn for judgments. Think of this from the entertainment standpoint. American Idol right? Arguably one of the most successful TV shows in the past decade, even though, or, or maybe especially so, the judges are very harsh and very critical, right? Dancing with the Stars, The X Factor, Dr. Phil, all of these we love to watch and we want some kind of judgment. We, we desire some kind of judgments. Take it from a serious side. As Americans, we're, we're deeply ingrained with this ideal of justice for all. You know, it's a, it really is a tragedy that the civil rights took so long in our history. And there's still far too much racism, far too much prejudice and discrimination. So we continue to cry out for justice. We continue to yearn for judgment on the oppressors and for the oppressed. We hate judgment and yet we want justice in this world. We need justice in this world. So how do we make sense of that? It could be that because we are made in the image of God, we have a very natural need for truth. 
and for justice. And yet, because we are fallen, this need can be distorted or disfigured. For it to be focused and clear then, we have to look at justice and truth from God's point of view. So this might be especially helpful in today's gospel reading. When the Son of Man comes in his glory. The second coming of King Jesus is not meant to be scary or dark, but it's it's meant to be glorious and beautiful and radiant. And when he comes, he will sit on his glorious throne. What do we mean by by throne except power and, and authority? And the the throne, the the judgment seat, is not supposed to be condemning. Here's here's how it's described in Psalm 89. Righteousness and justice are the foundations of your throne. So there's King Jesus sitting with power and authority on the right relationship with God, on the true and complete justice, and he's ready to render his final judgment. This is actually good. Shouldn't we be thankful that it's Jesus as judge and not anybody else? Haven't we realized that that Jesus is not arbitrary, but but he's very intentional and he is the truth? Haven't we seen that, that Jesus is not conditional or fickle? He's unwavering. He is the way. And haven't we known that Jesus is not dead, but he's alive? He is the life. Tragically, so many, so many people see God as, as vindictive and spiteful and just downright mean. And yes, sometimes we fall in that trap too. But if we really know Jesus, nothing could be further from the truth. He is compassionate. He's merciful. He is love. At his second coming, when he returns, all nations will be gathered before him. This is not a private affair. This is not just for a select chosen few. It will be all-encompassing. We who cry out for justice in this world will finally have it. We who desperately need truth will see truth face to face. King Jesus will come, and he will set the world to rights. This is the hope we have. This is, this is the hope that we need to communicate, that Jesus, from his final judgment, will create a new heaven and a new earth. God will live with us fully and completely. Heaven and earth will be united in perfection, perfect goodness, perfect beauty, perfect justice. There will be no more death, no more mourning, no more crying. There won't be any pain. That's actually what we have to look forward to in the last judgment. This is what our hope is, and it makes all the difference in the world, even right now. Because King Jesus will return, because he will remake a new heaven and a new new earth, therefore, what we do now matters. Again, looking at the parable, those on on the right side, those who inherit the kingdom, right? Those are the ones who showed love. Very simple acts of love. Feeding someone, clothing someone, visiting someone, hospitality. The the beautiful thing is that anyone can do these things. It doesn't take great wealth or incredible power 
or, or even high intelligence. But it does take sensitivity and compassion and availability. It takes intentionality. It takes love. One of my favorite bands has a lyric, the opposite of love is indifference. And I think there's some wisdom to that. In the parable to, to those on, on the left, those who don't inherit the kingdom, doesn't Jesus communicate because of your indifference, because of your apathy, because of your neglect, you didn't show love. My brothers and sisters, the hope we have in Jesus Christ gives purpose and meaning to our lives right now. Every day we are to live in the hope of the resurrected life, to live with a purpose that what we do now matters, that the ways that we show love, they have eternal meanings. One day, the, the final day, King Jesus will return, and it will be glorious. He returns to create a new heaven and a new earth, to finally judge and, and put the world to rights, to bring full justice and to make his kingdom here. Our encouragement is that this life matters, that our actions matter. So in the week ahead, let's, let's daily practice intentional acts of kindness and intentionally reach out to someone every day who needs the love and the mercy and, and grace of Jesus Christ. And as we do that, we have to know without a doubt that it has eternal meanings. It is for the building of God's kingdom right now and for all time. Amen.